0: Welcome to the Recover You Podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhoun. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal, trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Hi, Patrick.
1: Hi, Kyleen.
0: You know what I wanted to tell you today? I don't trust stairs okay they're always up to something ah they're (laughs) getting better they're
1: getting better maybe
0: uh well that leads us directly into imagine that our topic today which is trust i
1: don't trust your ability to bring good jokes
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, if we we had a producer they'd make all sorts of sound effects for us that's Uh, right we're low budget here so um yeah, so so the, the idea of trust, the topic of trust is something that comes up a lot when couples are working on reconciliation specifically. So, you know, we've mentioned this in our podcast episodes here and there since we started and on my platform and everything that, you know, not every relationship is required or should. Reconcile. There are lots of situations where the appropriate choice is divorce. Um, And so, you know, we always kind of want to remind you that while we have reconciled and we think it's wonderful and beautiful and you can have an awesome relationship afterwards, it does take two people that are equally committed to that happening and doing the work and respecting and loving the other person through the process for that to happen. And, you know, you see a lot in recovery after betrayal that one person really wants to do the growth work and the other person doesn't for whatever reason right and that that varies whether it's the addict or the betrayed partner or whatever but um you know i i posted this um this uh thing on tiktok recently and i actually ended up deleting it i just i don't know i just was like well maybe i don't want to leave this out there for all eternity but um it, it was one of those um
1: like everything else on social media
0: Well, you know, I I really try to be careful what I put out there because I want it to be encouraging, right? I want to encourage the right people, um, to push towards reconciliation, but I never want to send the wrong message that I'm encouraging people to stay in abusive relationships. I never, ever want people to misinterpret, um, or for anything that I say to accidentally come off that way. Right. And so I, I posted this video that I showed it to you. It was. one of those cap cut templates where they have a piece of a a, video, a movie and it was this guy saying, is it worth it? And the other guy going, yeah, it's worth it. And then a pause. And then if you're strong enough, and I, I had posted, you know, reconciling after infidelity in a marriage. And um, yeah, I mean, the reason I posted that is because yeah, if you're strong enough, if you're willing to do work, it's a hundred percent worth it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and you and I recently, I think have, shifted gears a little bit into a deeper part of our relationship where we're really enjoying it now and relaxing into it. And I've really, the, the past couple of weeks, I've had several conversations with you just about how much I enjoy the fact that you are growth-minded, that we've grown together, that we speak the same language. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of times in life where, um, you know, I could have gone off and, and done, you know, like when I did functional medicine, for example, you could have, chosen not to learn that language with me Mm -hmm. um and but you did and then you know i after this i really learned about trauma and the body and the nervous system and all these different things and and you could have really absorbed only the addiction side and recovered and not learned this language with me but you did and so i think you know it's the conversations that we have now are are so different Mm -hmm. and in and are on such a deep level and talking about all these different things. I just, I really appreciate it. And something that's really kind of, um, I've really absorbed recently and, and really felt deeply. And I just love having that level of connection with you. And anyway, so that's what I mean when I post a video like that, right? It's totally worth it. If you're strong enough, if you want to do the workout sort of thing. Um, but someone commented that, uh, you're not, you know, you're not strong if you stay after that. Uh, I can't remember exactly how she said it. Uh, Basically staying in a relationship after infidelity isn't strength. Right. And Mm -hmm. so don't like, don't perpetuate the thought that like these women should be staying in unhealthy relationships. Right. And and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I never want to, which is why I'm kind of like, okay, I know what I meant here, but uh, you know, is this going to be like one of those controversial posts that just like is not worth it because it's, and I never want to put something out that invalidates someone's very strong, very difficult choice to leave the relationship. And I, I knew from the beginning when I, um, when I decided to go public with our story, that this was long-term going to be a difficult line for me to walk. How do I get very, very clear in my messaging that my goal is as individuals, you obtain optimal health, mm-hmm. and then if your relationship survives on top of that, that's amazing. But never communicating like I'm pushing one way or the other because I I try to you know I, I, whatever whenever it comes up or as frequently as possible to communicate. You know I've lived both sides. Mm-hmm. I was the person that got cheated on and left immediately, and have never regretted that decision. But then this was a different situation, and I do now see when it is a healthy or has the potential to be a healthy dynamic in the relationship, it is really worth, you know, going through everything that you and I have gone through. Um, So anyway, I just, that kind of, uh, I I decided to take that one down. I don't ever want people to feel like I'm saying that, oh, you're, you're weak if you leave really, I think it takes such courage and such strength actually to make that choice in many situations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I actually think (laughs) as anytime somebody is stuck or in a relationship, that's not rewarding, Um, moving through that process, whether you stay or go, Mm. is really um, there is some strength. There's some courage that goes with it, but it's just really, really hard to go. Wake up in the morning, go one foot in front of the other. But that is the only way, and that's the only way you keep moving and and you learn each day. So you can learn what your spouse is doing. I think we're going to talk about that today. Like, what are the things that the spouse is doing post discovery okay. to create a safer environment what is you know what are the things that you're learning about that person's ability to demonstrate empathy which you know I, and we've talked about this before but I think that truly is the the goal of recovery is to be able to live with full empathy towards each other
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's because you're you're open-minded and mm-hmm. you you understand the impact of your actions and all of those things Um, but I, you know, I think, I think that just, it's a really, really hard thing. And it's, and it's not apparent on day one or day 90. Oh yeah.
0: Well, and, and so that kind of goes into this idea, right? Where, okay, this episode in particular is, you know, about trust, because one of the questions that comes up when people are trying to reconcile is, you know, how do I trust my partner after they have betrayed me for such a long period of time and they, they pulled out the rug from underneath me and I'm living I'm living a lie and all this kind of stuff. And they, you know, and it's a valid it's a, such a valid question because not only is your reality totally shattered, when you look back, you realize how many times that person intentionally manipulated and lied mm-hmm. to you to protect the addiction. Right. And so <clears throat> trusting somebody after that is a very it's a very difficult thing. And so it's it's one of the questions that comes up. But just to be clear as we're, you know, kind of going into this, trusting and and building that trust and getting to the place of reconciliation is a two it requires both people 100 percent. and so that's kind of if you know if you're not in that situation that's absolutely okay if you're making a different choice so if you're working towards reconciliation this this episode probably going to be a little bit more relevant yeah so uh one let's just start with, with the actual definition of trust because i think that's like you know that's a good place to start so you know google.com you type in trust is this
1: the is this the one from google.com mm-hmm.
0: which i don't know Did they pull from web search i don't know I what don't they, know, they do but okay um, so google.com says <laughs> who, whatever dictionary they are pulling from trust is a firm belief in the reliability truth ability or strength of someone or something hmm. and like yeah because when you think about, okay, I'll give you my definition or kind of like what you're looking for or what is required, you know, in order to build trust in a second. But yeah, it's this firm belief in the reliability of something, right? And so when men or, you know, the betrayer, either male or female, but when the betrayer starts to get impatient, and go, I'm in recovery, why don't you trust me? I I feel like that is such a fundamental lack of understanding of how their behavior has actually impacted the other person in a really traumatic Mm -hmm. way. Because the trauma of discovery takes away all reliability in the relationship. If you lied to me about this, what else did you lie to me about? If you have this completely secret life, this underground life that you've been hiding, and in order to maintain that, you have compromised your moral values, your character, your integrity, and you've said things to me that are just not true to my face. Like, how do I trust you at that point? And they go, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good partner. I show up on time. I do these things, you know, da, 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 da. but you have to, I mean, it really, to me, that question is a fundamental lack of understanding of what discovery does to the woman.
1: Well, I think it's one sort of these, uh, and, and I'm not sure if this is in the, in something that's in the negative. If you are, um, truthful on, of things, but you lie on 20% of things, you are being deceitful. It's not like, it's not like, well, you know, I'm always, I'm more truthful. Like you always have to look at the negative. So like,
0: well, it's like the boy that cried wolf, right? Like, right. It doesn't matter. Like the one time he's telling the truth, mm-hmm. congratulations, nobody believes you at this nobody point. Nobody
1: believes you. Right. Yeah, right, exactly.
0: And, so, and usually with discovery, you're finding out that it was decades. And so that's really hard.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's always there's a because uh, I've talked to people, some loved ones about this. And, you know, they they, they will say things like, well, you, know, you, you raised a good kid and you got your kid into West Point and you worked really hard. I'm like, well, it's a both ends situation. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yes, I did all those things. And those are very wonderful. And and all of that stuff. And I've worked very hard, but I also was deceitful. And and mm-hmm. so you can't you can't deny those things. Those mm-hmm. are things that you have to and you have to kind of go to the root of why that is. But that certainly destroys the effects of those other things, mm-hmm. you know. So
0: well, you know, and I'm thinking too just about the the journey that we have gone through and the time it's taken and some of the areas that have been really slow, and then how we'd hit a speed bump and it would be really, really painful and how now. When okay, so you want to you want to validate the the relationship you had before, right? It's kind of th- that conversation that you were saying. Well, before it wasn't that bad, and you're a good person, da da da, right? Well, you could say before we had a good relationship, but I mentioned in a previous podcast, I never would have thought that you know the relationship we had before was shallow, but comparing it to the personal growth and. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, like the language that we've learned to speak to each other, understanding trauma, understanding the way the brain works, understanding emotional wounds and pains and triggers and desires and hopes and dreams. And also we speak on a much deeper level and we have an understanding of each other on a level that was never there. As much as I thought, we were connected then Mm -hmm. Um, we did not have a lot of the things that we have relationally now. And so I understand the desire to validate the effort that was made, but I would also say, don't try to hold on to that so hard during reconciliation that you um, miss this opportunity because, and what, and part of the opportunity that takes a lot of courage and takes a lot of bravery is that, you know, in in situations like this, they get worse before they get better. And I think that the reason that is because you have to be brave enough to not leave a stone unturned. Right. We can't shy away from having conversations that might hurt the other person's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I w- I needed to tell you how your behavior impacted me mm-hmm. for you to fully understand. Right. And, and you also needed to feel safe enough to come to me and say, hey, like this is you know, what's happening and and what's going on in my life. And, you know, because you really early on started sharing about anxiety and different things that you were feeling now that you weren't medicating and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and, and so for, on the betrayed part, there is this idea during reconciliation that, you know, Hey, I really want to support you and I want to hold space for you in your recovery. But also I need to be able to tell you honestly, without fear of any sort of negative repercussion, how what you have done has like destroyed my life mm-hmm. and how, what you're telling me right now is really hurtful. And while still holding space for you to like recover and support you and be your cheerleader, but also telling you, you know, this has really hurt me yeah. and I feel rejected and I feel wounded and I feel angry at you and all this kind of stuff. Right. And so I think sometimes there's um difficulty in navigating those conversations. Right. But I think, I, but that's what I mean when I say, if you move towards reconciliation, it's one of the hardest things I think anyone will ever do after mm-hmm. this. I really do. Going through the process of reconciling after retrail, I think it's one of the most difficult things a couple can do. So if you're going to do it, be authentic with your emotions and your conversations and with each other because that's really going to lay this foundation of if we make it, then it's going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. But if you go through reconciliation kind of I don't know almost coddling each other, maybe, or um, maybe that's not
1: the right word. That's maybe that's not the right word, you know. Like, like, you know, can can you can the uh, can the partners heal, but then not be in a relationship? And I think the answer is yes, they can, um, and not have because you know, a lot of healing is individual, mm-hmm. and and so you engage in that sure. that that journey and you you learn how to empathize, but you know, sometimes maybe something's broken or you you never quite fully let your guard back down from a relational standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you know, well,
0: I, I really, that's kind of my point is like c- commit. If you're going to do this, mm-hmm. commit to being authentically yourself, right. because if you're going to build something new, you don't want to build it on any sort of insecurity or fear or false sense of yourself. Right. Right. Like yep. r- really individually commit to being to, to personal growth, first right. of all, yeah. because you're going to be growing a lot through this, but also not overriding any of your personal boundaries through this process, yeah. because what you want to establish in this new relationship is something that's totally different and healthy. Right. I guess the um, piece that maybe I was trying to say is like, you don't want to go into it. Um like not overriding your own safety for yeah. the sake of the others. Okay. That's, that's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So like when, when as a betrayed partner, I wanted to provide safety for you to recover. I certainly didn't want to trigger you, but at the same time you're an adult and it was your responsibility to yeah. be serious about your healing. Well, and and I needed to, exp- I, I needed you to provide safety for me to, to express how I was feeling. And We've talked about this
1: as, as we progressed. And it's like, there is, there is um, people in our lives who Uh, that we would have liked to have said certain things to us. And I think sometimes when we're talking, we will voice what those things are, you know, so like in in a healthy way. And I think that takes recovery. So like people will avoid or people will not say anything or people will um, uh, have an opinion, but I think true recovery and true trust. And this is what you do from a partner standpoint. What it. You can disagree with each other, but still respect each other. You can you can say, uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. I'm not quite sure if I agree with you or I disagree with you, but I respect your right to have that opinion. And it's a very safe interaction. And so I think as we've, we've and I'm not sure if I'm if I'm rambling here, but I might be, but I think it's a it's a uh, uh, when you get into a relational recovery piece, you occupy each other's space in the safest way mm-hmm. that you can. And that doesn't mean you're on the same page because that is a human impossibility because you don't want two robots that come together and have the same code. You Part of what makes a, a good relationship great is you challenge each other. And mm-hmm. you can't challenge each other if all you are is just on the same page all the time.
0: Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I would definitely say we both challenge each other in different aspects mm-hmm. in different ways at different times, for sure. I would also just put a slight caveat for anybody that's in the first like three to six months of recovery, yeah, that the yeah. the person that is the addict that is getting into sobriety, but uh, maybe shouldn't be doing a lot of the challenging in that place because right. you're in a place of like, Please. let me get my feet underneath me. Yeah,
1: remember, I was uh, what I referred to in there is it's a place of safety. Right. And so and
0: stability know, is required. Right. On safety and, yeah. and
1: stability. And then you can challenge each other right. and make each other well, better. And all of those at that
0: aspects. point, it's from a place of health, right? Once, once you have the stability of recovery under your feet, once you have a lot of this personal growth and realization of what were the patterns and how mm-hmm. did this go, and then the betrayed partner has really identified a lot of the wounds that came up from the betrayal or had before that were you know exacerbated by the betrayal. And we've put you know process right. okay, now you're both in speaking the same language, okay? Absolutely. Now, where yeah. do we grow? It? Now that's the place that reconciliation and trust begins to be built. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. we've we've both sort of done, and that's why we really highly encourage that two individuals do a lot of the individual work first to lay that foundation, and then the relationship starts kind of developing Correct. from there. Okay, so all right, so the the definition, firm belief in the re- reliability, right? So this we kind of woo, went off on like bye. that. It's good though; it's a good conversation.
1: We're on our fourth hour of this podcast.
0: But, um, so, but my, this is the way I think about it. When you think about betrayal, this is what's required. Cause a lot of, um, this question comes from, uh, women saying, how can I trust my husband after this has happened? Right. So this is my, my short answer to that trust requires safety to be established consistently over a long period of time. So the longer answer to that is all of the actions and behaviors and conversations that create safety and establish that in the relationship. And you see that consistently done over a significant period of time. And again, that's just another reminder, right? Like when you find out that you've been married 27 years and this has been going on the whole time, you know finding your your partner that has done the betraying in recovery for 3 months you know there's nothing wrong with you when you don't trust that person yet that's right yeah your your body knows like like that 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 doesn't equal you know things being fixed
1: and i think for the on the betrayer side you know one of the tendencies is to do what's called love bombing and you may buy gifts, or you may schedule vacations together. You may do buy the person a car. Like, it's, what's the classic thing that, like, the older couple or whatever? And you see the, the wife gets a new car, and you're like, oh, she must have found something out, and you bought her a car. You ever hear that joke? It was like, yeah, I don't know. It's, I remember hearing the
0: flowers. That. Yeah, okay, the whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the so thing.
1: the thing you got to re- remember is that could be received, I think, early on, neutral or negatively. So if you're like, okay, so you've cheated on me for 27 years, and you're getting me flowers, you think that's going to fix it? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that's I think so it, it's very true, and 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 I think the one thing that that I guess I could put a caveat to that is if you if you're going through this process and you're learning, and the gift has a deep meaning. Mm. So if you pick something and you can explain that meaning in that i think that that's very important so but just be careful if you you know because it, it's it's a very high um tendency for the betrayers to love bomb and and so that's and that's just because it's you want to fix it you're right. trying very hard to fix it and you're thinking that maybe these gestures like when you first got together that were received very well will just fix it mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's not the it's not going to fix it um so just be mindful of that
0: well yeah it falls flat or it feels empty and So I think your point to it has to have meaning behind it is very true because, you know, from a feminine intuition uh, perspective, when you're you're talking about building trust and reconciling and all this kind of stuff, there is an intangible that is a little bit difficult to describe that you just sort of know you have certain feelings you've got instincts about. And when we have gone through this process, there have been what I describe as like little clicks, like little internal clicks. Uh, where I go, okay, we've reached the next level, and I trust you more now. Okay, we've reached, and it's, yeah. and that's after you've done a lot of this work. But an example of what you're saying is, because um, someone could view this as love bombing, but I actually don't. It may, it may have been a miniature love bombing, but there was intention behind it, and so it didn't really necessarily come across like that. Um, when I was going through discovery, one of the first questions, because this came out late January was, well, what about Christmas? And it really hurt me when I found, um, some, uh, evidence that Christmas morning, there had been some sort of activity Mm -hmm. and acting out. And so, um, that really upset me because then it, you know, then it clouds the pictures and the memories and and in your mind, I remember going through this and you were just so adamant. I didn't do anything on Christmas morning. I don't remember doing anything on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Like, I don't remember. I don't remember. like you had blocked it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I see this Amazon gift card that you sent to this phone number that like matches these, you know, and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And so. That was just like a whole thing. So what you did was in July, so like six months into recovery, and this was like maybe a month after we had gone through full disclosure in the polygraph mm-hmm. and everything, um, you you did like a Christmas in July thing, and it was less, I think it was less love-bombing, and maybe there's a little bit of like, you know, the idea behind it of like winning me back and all that kind of stuff, but I think it was less love-bombing and more let me make up for something that I messed up for you. Mm-hmm. I realized that I ruined a memory mm-hmm. and I want to provide a new one. And you made it very clear, like what the intention was. Right, right. And you put all of the effort in. Like you got up that morning and you cooked breakfast, like Christmas breakfast for us. And you had bought some ornaments for us, like <laughs> wherever, wherever, however you had had done decorated one. the table. You had decorated <laughs> yeah. the table in like yeah. a Christmas fashion mm-hmm. in the middle of the summer. Sem- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that was really special for me and Keegan um, to see because you it wasn't something that where you, you were just like here's some you know five thousand dollar diamond earrings you know you you put this effort behind it there was intention by, and there was meaning and purpose behind it and it was more of an apology that then had action behind it than it was just let me throw money at something or let right, me right. you know yeah. Try to like put a band-aid on this right? Yeah. I,
1: I think what I was trying to do is, you know, you you can't change a, a a previous uh memory. You can't. And you you can't convince, I couldn't have convinced you how much I loved you that day or whatever. Like, you know, that 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 moment had passed. But what I could do is is I could say, well, I can carve out this moment and um through you know through demonstration of you know, acts of service and uh words and those things, I can at least start to create a new memory um for that. And that was my intent. And it right. Was, you're right. I, I was it was for both you and Keegan and I wanted to provide a pure day. It's really what I was trying to do.
0: It was kind of like the promise of like, okay, I can't go back, but like this is gonna be the demonstration of me starting over mm-hmm. and giving you good things that are not like I promise that this is not. Clouded over with right, any behavior, right. and yeah. so I'm going to demonstrate. It's all genuine. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So I think that's um, okay. So I thought I thought that I will maybe just go through the sort of big picture zoomed out because we could go into all of the details underneath, like what are all of these activities that you did, mm-hmm. but we've talked about a lot of that on the podcast. You know, like going to. Um, therapy weekly and reading books and podcasts and going to your group and all this kind of stuff. But I think I I wanted to do more of a zoomed out top five things to me that I saw over time that helped me trust you again. Um, And so again, from my perspective on the betrayed side, trust requires safety to be established. We talk about this so much, but it's so important. We can't You you will not see forward motion unless you feel safe. You just won't. And anytime you see forward motion, you'll get pulled right back because if safety is not established consistently, then you're constantly going to feel like you're going back to square one because your foundation is just blown up all the time. It's like little mini bombs in your body and in your nervous system going off constantly. So then a lot of this, I think, is going to kind of play into what that looked like for me. So the number one thing, and we've talked about this a lot too, but the number one thing is that you took full responsibility. So I think that immediately helped because I saw right away the way that you were acting was not just, oh, please forgive me, please forgive me, uh, you know, let me win you back behavior. It was, I don't like myself. I don't like this behavior. I need help. Right. Um this is my fault. It's not you. I love you. This is not about you. I hate what I've done to you. I hate what I've done to myself. I feel rem- like, so it was very clear to me very early on that this was not just about manipulating me to stay in a relationship that you were like, I'm taking responsibility for this.
1: I remember what I was feeling. And I think I told you this, like, like I, I uh... I pretty much kind of figured that we would get divorced, and I and I think what what came down very fast in my head was, you may always hate me for what I've done, but I don't want, I don't want you to to feel as if I'm continuing to do it, or as if I'm um, continuing to. Um, Engage in the behavior or not taking responsibility or whatever. Like, part of me was like, this will infinitely, this process will be infinitely easier if you just take responsibility, if you own it. And whether it leads to divorce or whatever that is, it's going to be, you know, because I, my thought process was, is um, I would like at some point in our lives to be amicable with each other. Right. So I think, you know, knowing, I just knew you in the, person you are and in your character that 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 would mean a lot you know over time if if I never ever because I, I and I did want to take responsibility for it like it was my fault I never actually I actually never there was nothing that ever came to my mind that said well this this little thing is like somebody else's fault or like like it, it nothing ever came out of me that that indicated it wasn't like a game I guess that's my point it wasn't a me just saying that or whatever, like I deeply felt that and I did not want to give you more material, right? Yeah. It was like, it was like a weird thing. It was like a weird motivation. Like I didn't want to give you more material where you're like, wait, what's this? Mm-hmm. And this happened, you know, a day ago and we were supposedly 10 days into this, you know what I mean? And, and stuff like that. And, and to, to your point, you talked about it. I was done. I really did, you know, I, I, I felt like it was killing me. I mean, I really felt like, I was losing my life and my soul and so I I think at some point within that last so many months I knew the only way out was to go through a hard process. Didn't know what that hard process was going to be. <laughs> Hi. 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 Yeah. Hi, right, Kylie. right, right. I didn't know what that hard process was going to be, yeah. but I think I think you know, I'm not a dummy, you know what I mean, and so I think I think that started to come around there.
0: Well, as you were talking, I was thinking about the tremendous difference from my first marriage to this one, the response to being discovered. Mm-hmm. So, when you're talking about trust, and and I'm saying number one for me was the fact that you took responsibility. Right. It is so completely different when you find something out and the partner goes like, gaslights you. Well, that's not really what happened. Or, um, well, actually, it's really your fault, right? Like, what was held over my head when everything came out in my first marriage was the fact that a couple months prior, I had initiated a conversation about divorce. Wow. And so, clearly, clearly leaning on his secretary and doing all, like, that was my fault, right? Or I at least had some sort of, like, why?
1: I mean, I I think the one thing I did hold you accountable for is I always had to take your coffee cup from here, from the office <laughs> to the dishwasher. That was really the root that, cause. That but is my fault. I worked that through with my therapist, so I wasn't going to bring that up. And, oh. But I guess I did. So, oh, sorry okay. about that.
0: And everybody on the podcast now knows <laughs> that you had a 15-year addiction. No. Yeah. Um. I mean, but just from the person that's been betrayed and kind of been on the receiving end of both responses, it is so different. And... You know, I hear a lot of women use the terminology like "I feel crazy."
1: Yeah,
0: and um, I remember your your my response in that time when I was going through the divorce my head would absolutely explode when I felt like he was gaslighting me or not taking yeah. responsibility yeah. or blaming me for something. And I was like, how are you like, what reality are you living in right now? Mm-hmm. And why can you not take responsibility? Why can you not say you're sorry? And how, how is your reality so skewed that you are like painting a completely different picture of truth, Right? like in your world, truth is a different thing. And like, and so when, there's no way trust can be built in that situation. I mean, I don't think, unless there's a complete change of... Well, you
1: have to, you know, the 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 attic has to get torn down. You know what I mean? And whether he does it himself, whether he burns down that part of him, himself or whether it gets done for him through pain, emotional, you know, whatever that may be, you have to get to that point. And then yeah. that way you can go. And I think I think what I'm trying to indicate is I, I was there. I was already there. And I also, the other thing that was kind of going through my mind as well was... I've got this 16 year old who I've raised my entire life who I now have the opportunity to make, right. Hopefully show him how you recover from something like this, Mm. how you go through this process. You know, like that was going through my mind too. You know what I mean? As bad as all of this was and I didn't want to talk about it and I didn't, you know what I mean? Or anything like that. And you would find things and I just not, did not want to talk about it. Um, But I just knew that like, Like, this is, you know, there's too many people that are watching me um, and relying on me and, you know, those kinds of things and and actually helping me to not honor that process. You know what I mean? So, like, people were helping me get into recovery. So, like, I think also early on, I was like, I need to honor that, you know what I mean, by not being a jerk.
0: You know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, bringing up Keegan, that's an interesting point because um, I showed you that clip from Jordan Peterson the other day that says people are so afraid of conflict, and then they're also really afraid of having conflict in front of their kids. And basically, what he was saying is, in his estimation, it's more important. To be able to move through conflict to demonstrate healthy reconciliation, right? And so I was thinking, you know, I think about that, and you know, in relation to this, you and I went, we, you know, we weren't, you know, having explosions necessarily in front of Keegan while all of us was coming out or anything. We weren't, you know, having these big knock down drag out fights in front you of him certainly feel but chilling. he knew yeah. what was happening we it was very clear mm-hmm. that we were not on good terms and we had a lot of conversations with him and and so he really actually has very very clearly seen a an arc as we've gone through this and coming through and yep. you know and so i think that's been really good for him and you think about you know him going into future relationships you never know on a subconscious level how that's going to impact his ability to really be himself. Nice. And actually, I think we've already seen that a little bit in, um, you know, how he was gently and kindly able to break up with his high school girlfriend yeah. who was very sweet and very nice and we loved her a lot but it wasn't you know quote unquote the right person or the right time or whatever mm-hmm. and he had the courage to very kindly say this isn't the right time and this isn't the re- right relationship and we were so proud of him for that because um in our history oh, yeah, <laughs> you hardly. both got into situations that were unhealthy right. honestly because we didn't uh, there's a big part of us that just didn't have the courage to do that mm-hmm. right and we just sort of like let life happen and you know people pleased to an extent and did didn't really, you know, ha- I don't know, didn't have that co- level of confidence or whatever. And so, you know, I, I do think some of that has been healthy, that he has Absolutely. seen that yep. and that we've really reiterated and, and talked to him a lot about the idea of like, you know, you know what we've learned from these things right. and trying to instill, you know, confidence and kindness and, but, you know, really authenticity mm-hmm. when he. Makes these decisions never feel any pressure like you have. You know, I've told him the story about my dad hugging me before I walked down the aisle, and my dad saying or the first my first time, and um, my dad saying, you know, you don't have to do this. <laughs> like, so you know, just reiterating, like, listen, you always have a choice. That's right. And you know, yeah. your dad and I have made poor ones, and Absolutely. you know, we've learned from them, and you know that sort of thing. So, number one, you took full responsibility, and we, I think, we just talked a lot about that and the difference that that makes. I mean, really, truly having experienced both sides, that is a huge difference if you're wanting to reconcile and build trust. Huge, huge, huge. Um, the second thing is I really noticed, and this we goes into what we just talked about, but you really wanted to do the work with or without me. And so that there was, you know, the first several months, of course, I'm going, okay, well, is this, is this true? It, am I going to find out more? What's going to, right? And so for period of time, I'm you know watching and waiting, right? Mm-hmm. But as time unfolded and passed, I really got the sense as you were more consistent, that you truly did want to do this now that you had the steps, regardless of what happened. And so that was a, a big one for me, that I really started to believe, oh, no, you're, you're serious, we could get divorced tomorrow, and you would still grow a group on Saturday.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that was a really big part of of what I felt. I I, I was, I think, you know, like I said, feeling dead inside before I was discovered. And then the amount of freedom I was starting to feel, how good I was starting to feel. It was like being able to be aligned in my purpose. And, and so, um, I, I was like, why would I let that go if I went this far? You know, why would I want that to, to not continue? Mm -hmm. And so, um, it very much came a journey for recovery, not a journey to please you. And mm-hmm. so I think I think sometimes people will you know that's the love bombing, right? Love bombing is done to please that partner.
0: That's well, a band aid solution. It's for a band aid, like, like yeah. The, yeah. the, the actual mm-hmm. cleaning and healing and stitching of the wound, right? Right. right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think there, you know, oddly enough, I think there were some things where you were kind of like, "Hey, are you going to pay attention to me." I was like, "No, I'm working on recovery. Screw you." You know what I mean? So I think. I, you know i i think maybe what i lacked was a little bit of balance through that period but i think
0: you swing the boat maybe one side to or yeah. the other you know here and there but yeah i think throughout the the main
1: it was driving forward yeah, yeah. the
0: main line that i would see is that you were committed yeah, yeah. you know, you might have waffled to you know one direction or the other mm-hmm. here and there but yeah
1: yeah yeah so i i, I would agree with you i think i i I remember. And I think I even said that to you, like, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep this process going.
0: Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah. And I heard you say that, but I started to believe it over time. So again, talking about trust requires safety to be established very consistently over a long period of time. So, you know, I was noticing, you know, you're talking about safety, you're going to therapy, you are going to your group, you are actively reading books, you're listening to podcasts. Now, you know, for some people, maybe that is a little bit more difficult or whatever. Like, is there a different way you can do that? Can you listen to something? Can you do an audio book? Can you, you know, whatever, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you would just like manually like blow through reading books and stuff. And you, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not Somebody that reads like a hundred books a year, you probably easily get through like fifty, um, okay. and so. But you know, but I can listen to you know an audiobook or a podcast or whatever, right? So how are you do that? But I I noticed consistently over time. Okay, no, this is a real thing for you. So then, number three, I think this is, um, I think this is really important, and this is where the rubber starts hitting the road, right? Because you can have well-intentioned addicts that fairly easily do number one number two they take full responsibility and they really they really do want to do the work and all this kind of stuff but here's number three this is really when you're talking about building trust and an actual reconciliation over time I think the rubber hits the road when you stick with it even when things start to get hard mm-hmm. and instead of um instead of quitting or taking a break or complaining about it, you did the opposite and you would like lean into your resources. And so that I think really started convincing me over time. I'm like, okay, we hit the three month mark. We hit the six month mark. We hit the year. You're still going to therapy. You're still doing group. You're still researching. You're still having deep conversations, you know, like, things got really well I would say things didn't get hard things were consistently hard for us the first year consistently hard and instead of you going you know what I am in recovery like why aren't you you know recovering with me right now why isn't our you know why why aren't we going on why can't we celebrate our anniversary or you know whatever it was and I'm sure you had a lot of those thoughts that were frustrating right like I was not in a good place the first year, Mm -hmm. like pretty much at all. The first year, it was a horrible year for me. It was really bad Mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. And so to see you be, you know, you didn't quit throughout that time. You didn't complain. I'm sure, I'm sure we both had moments, you know, throughout that, but really you didn't, you weren't complaining about doing the work. You weren't complaining about going to group. You weren't, you you would look forward to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. if things got hard, you would talk to your group. And if things got hard, you would, you know, s- can I have another session with my therapist or whatever, you know? And Thanks. I mean, how long did you did you do therapy weekly for? It was about three, a year, two it was years?
1: A year and a half, year
0: and a you know. half every and week.
1: And it went to like once every two weeks, and then it went to like once a month, and then I think once we turned the new year, I think it's so like,
0: after two full years, you kind of are doing like as yeah. or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's like maintenance. You know, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I think. I think that's the thing, though. Like we we hit well, so think, you know, many hard things, and you kept yeah. going.
1: Well, the other thing too is every week, unless I'm out of town, I'm in something.
0: Yeah, you still, know? even right. without therapy. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so I think you three know, times that, a week, usually, you, you hear folks will will say that, and this is kind of where where like the experienced guy, you know, the, uh, the the experienced person helps the the new folks, in. they'll get through ten lessons of that conquer series, which is a ten. And they'll say,
0: okay, well, you know, okay, I'm done, right? And I'm like, no, come through this. Oh my gosh, you went through Conquer like through this- five times yeah, yeah. before you then. I think Start started like it. leading yeah. it. Yeah. And then you went through a bajillion more times before you jumped into the year-long um one, which is seven pillars. Right. Right. And then you know, and then yeah. you've completed that and you've moved on to like other books, but you're still running the conqueror. You've probably gone through conquer like 50 times at this
1: point. No, it's it's quite a few. It's quite a few. But you know, you 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 discover new stuff each time. And and I think that's the whole The whole point. I was actually thinking, you know, as you were talking, I was like, "Yeah, three years is going to be three years in recovery is going to be the end of January, and how am I going to celebrate that?" You know what I mean? Because I like I think that's a a, you know three to five years, right? And and Ted Roberts says it took him three and a half years of a knockdown drag out fight Mm. and that's what and he's the guy he's the guru right Mm -hmm. so three and a half years when you think about that you know what i mean everything he had
0: like complex stuff yeah yeah.
1: i mean he had he had you know he had had childhood wounds and he had ptsd from the military Mm and vietnam and all of
0: that stuff Mm -hmm.
1: but yeah so it's uh um yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so well the point there was sticking with it even when it's hard and that you kept going i mean and that's and to your point you were Like you still do groups three times a week, unless you are traveling. Two of them that you are, you know, "quote unquote" leading, and one that you are sort of um, peer to peer with, and you know, for your own support, and so you can kind of open up and say, "Hey, this is what's going on." And not that you don't do that in the other groups; it's just you know, one is specifically, yeah,
1: it's a it's a slightly different peer group, yeah, you know.
0: (laughs) So then. I, you know, I I, I don't necessarily I don't know that I did this on purpose necessarily, but all of my points I think get deeper as we go. So took responsibility, wanted to do the work, stuck with it even when it was hard. Okay, now number four, talking about rubber hitting the road, and it okay, now now we're getting now we're getting deeper into what's going to actually build reconciliation and trust, like long term, like actually long term. Because okay, great, you've you've gone to therapy, um, you've done the work, all kinds of stuff maybe you're not even doing the activity. Awesome. Okay. But a, I will hear this from a lot of women and this goes back to our feminine instinct and our gut feelings and the way we can just sort of like know things mm-hmm. I will hear. And I've heard this from different people. So it's not just like a, a one person said this thing. They want their concern. A lot of times is I see him doing the work. He's checking off all the boxes, but I, I, I'm not noticing a heart change. And, and there's like some, again, intangible thing where they're like, okay, he's doing all this stuff. But there's something wrong. I'm just not noticing. Right. And so number four for me is I consistently, and it grew over time, saw the change in your life, in your thinking patterns. And when we go back to the beginning of when we started talking today, the language that you developed and we developed as a couple continually changing and growing and deepening. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed you shift in how you talk. I noticed you shift in how you think about things. I noticed you start to go deeper about things. I noticed our conversation is shifting. I noticed the way you talk about, um, you know, different things that you experience um, in life or at work or in these groups or whatever. And like just the way you view things through a completely different lens and the way you feel things and all this kind of stuff. And so that, I think, that intangible really you for the betrayed partner, like you will know mm-hmm. you, there's something in you that will know when it is actually sincere. Yeah. And again, I, I can't really overstate how much time plays a role in these things. Cause so often like women want to go, okay, well, he's doing all the work. Okay. Well, it's like six months in, right? Like it just, you need to give it time as much as the addict needs to mm-hmm. give it time. We both yeah. need to give it time. Um, now, if you're, if you're kind of waiting it out to make any sort of decision, as long as there isn't any, you know, active um, abuse happening and things like that, um, you know, and and you're not actively pursuing divorce, but you're actively pursuing reconciliation. A lot of times recommendation is that you sit through about a year to just get the information that you need because there's so much that happens during that time. And so, um, you know, I did that and I kind of just watched and waited and worked on myself and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then as time has progressed, I really just saw the sincerity behind it because, Again, your language changed, mm-hmm. and the way you think and view view the world just really evolved.
1: Well, I think what what that was is is, and I mentioned it earlier in the podcast about developing a deeper sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. And so, when you go through recovery, you can really start to spot people who are wounded, and you know, in in all acts, of, uh, you know, walks of life, you can see it in in people who have fear and people who are um have you know generational trauma sitting with it really is apparent the more that you move through uh recovery. which is actually
0: difficult in some ways I think
1: it can be because you're like, oh and so you really grieve for people when you, you want, want to help them.
0: people yeah. and some people don't want that they're not yeah. interested in it and it's
1: not your place right sometimes and, Absolutely. and so so yeah I think that's probably what you saw is is you know there's a, a notion of and you know me thinking about how this has impacted you and occasionally that that has hit really hard you know in my in my solitude times when I'm thinking through things like thinking about how it's hit you and how hard it has been for you and and really wanting to make amends and all of those kinds of things so yeah
0: well, you're skipping over into the fifth point oh what is that? but we can pause for just a second before we get there okay. <laughs> I was gonna say too I think um just the when I when I say the language though I think when uh, you know I mentioned my you know functional medicine background and everything and mm-hmm. um you and I had a conversation about this within the past couple of weeks where it really was when I would grow you would grow mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I've matched it vice versa when you grow, I grow, but mm-hmm. I really have noticed like when I learn something, you take interest in it. And, you know, when I talk about, you know, the importance of something or the physical body or the nervous system or childhood trauma or internal family systems or parts work or QTT or, you know, the stuff that I do, you know, my, my coaching work and all this kind of stuff and emotional processing, you are like a sponge. It's like, okay, let's learn this. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let me get on the level where we can dialogue about it, you know, as opposed to just like a lot of people might think, OK, well, I'll just I'll be an empathetic listener. Right. Mm-hmm. But you engaged. Yeah. And I think that adds a level of, OK, I um, of partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That is very um, helpful in in that. Yeah. So, OK, so five is sort of what you're hinting at here. And that is again, so it kind of, I feel like it's gotten deeper every time I've made a point. And the, the fifth one is really kind of like, I think what seals the deal when you're talking about building trust and and actually being able to reconcile. And, and that is proactively, you proactively considered my safety and recovery. So, you know, you could do one through four, take responsibility, do the work, stick with it when it's hard, make a change in your thinking, all this kind of stuff. But if this, if this, Last thing isn't in place, you know, I don't know that it will be as healthy as it could be because what really actually makes me feel safe, what really actually makes me trust you is not just seeing that you're reading a book. It's like, okay, great, you know, but what I was mentioning earlier when people go, okay, he's doing the thing, but his heart isn't changing, right? It's what happens based on like, what did you learn from that book? Mm -hmm. What did you learn from therapy? What did you, right? And so you started showing up for me in a completely different way in our partnership. And not just saying, okay, I'm not going to relapse or whatever, but it was, let me gain a full understanding of the pain that I have caused you. And let me create an environment of safety so that you never have to experience that again, outside of, you know, anything that might've been outside of your control. But, you know, but whatever was in your sphere of influence when it came to avoiding a trigger or protecting my safety or um making me feel like you really were in recovery and that I'm the most important thing to you and all this kind of stuff it wasn't reactive it was proactive like every single time mm-hmm. minus maybe let's say the first 2 months while you're kind of figuring things out
1: <laughs> right yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. After that, yeah After that after and i mean i really mean that and we've given different examples on the podcast but i mean you've like um like I don't think we've shared this one. before. did we share this one? Stop me if we have, but um, you have a female manager in your company mm-hmm. and she's going off to start another plant. Right. And um, she, she took a picture of the, um, of her group of people and had sent it to you or whatever. Like, I don't know if be an email or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And you had, thought one day about texting her and saying, Hey, I really liked the picture you sent me. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally innocent. It's like a work picture, yeah, right, co-ed, right. whatever. Um, totally. But you had the um, awareness and empathy to, cause there's nothing inappropriate about telling her, Hey, I got the photo and it, mm-hmm. that, you know, that the, the group looks great. Right. Yeah. But in your mind, you immediately went, okay. If Kylie looks at my phone, with the history that we have Mm -hmm. and she saw me texting a female saying, I like the photo you sent. Right. Right. Yeah. How is that going to play?
1: Right. Yeah. Why, why create doubt? Why create, you know, and like, I didn't need to, I could wait till the next time I spoke to her and said, Hey, that was a really great group picture. I mean,
0: yeah. technically, you could have even just reworded it and sent the same right the um mm-hmm. the company photo you sent me of so and so and so and so. Um, you know, it looks really nice. I'm happy that the group right you like yeah. you technically could have done it. Right. Right. But right. my point is it doesn't really matter. You were taking you you had a thought come into your head, your immediate next thought was how would that make my wife feel? Mm-hmm. To me. That is the whole point of all the other points. It's the culmination of the healing work that is, I'm not just not doing the behavior. My brain is healed. My Mm -hmm. heart is healed. I have enough capacity in my life to care about other people and thinking about how and understanding this hurt my wife more than anything else has hurt her. How can I protect her? Because I'm the one that inflicted the wound.
1: Yeah. Well, and I I think part of it was, I've also thought about this is, you know, I don't want to hurt you in that way again. But I also don't want you to go into fight or flight over confusion. Right. Because that's not a positive thing for everybody to get to trigger you into fight or flight. That's not a good thing. It's just not. So Well, it's the
0: idea of being above approach, right? Right. Like, yeah, you that technically sending that text wouldn't have been quote unquote wrong right, right? When it, but you didn't do anything bad Mm-mm. she didn't send you an inappropriate picture you weren't right, right. Yeah. um but
1: i was thinking five steps ahead
0: exactly you're playing chess yeah. but not in a not in a manipulative yeah, way no, no, in a, hey, i i'm planning a couple steps ahead thinking right. through it and i think when you think about all these steps, okay, great. You took responsibility. Okay, awesome. Um, you did the work. You went to therapy. You stuck with it. When we went through some hard times, you you started to change your thinking and your view. And like, you know, you could honestly be in a relationship with someone like that who's checking all the boxes. And there's just this thing that's not there. And you're like, I don't know if I want to be in this relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I really think it's that last piece of the puzzle that is, no, I knew while you were doing all these things that yes, you were doing them for yourself because you cared enough to get into recovery because you wanted that and you wanted to be a person of integrity. But I also felt like we could recover because you made it very clear to me that you never wanted to make me feel unsafe again. And so you've done a lot that is very proactive and that's just a small example, but you've done other things. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, you've like told me like, Hey, I'm leaving work today in in case I you know, going to a job site in case I like life 360 or something. Right. Like I don't have to open the app and go, Oh, where are you? You've already told me. Right. Right? Um, so, I mean, to to kind of wrap on that concept though, someone might be listening and going, Oh, that sounds like a lot of work trying to like manage my wife's emotions for recovery. And like, you know, that just is like, why do I have to tell her everywhere? Right. Like, Mm So from my perspective, you are proactively creating a safe space for me. If somebody looks at that and goes, oh, that's a lot of work. Like, what would your response be to that?
1: Why? I, I guess I... Or I, why
0: do I have to do that? Why right. I, have to go I, that I, I would respond
1: that, you know, number one, you hurt that person, right? You hurt that person. And if you want to fix it, then you have to really, really try to fix it. And it's, it's much more to your point than just not engaging in the behavior. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you want to be in a relationship with that person... Uh, which I very much wanted to be in a relationship with you, then you do things that are kind. You know what I mean. People who who love each other do their very best to be kind to each other. It doesn't always happen, right? Because we're human beings and we make mistakes and yeah. stuff like that. But being kind, you know, has a broad, broad meaning to somebody. It's not just saying good morning. It's anticipating each other's needs and you know that that's actually what good teams do good teams anticipate each other's needs they have each other's backs mm-hmm. and stuff like that so if you think about a about a relationship that that is a good relationship they they do that they think through they think five steps ahead they they think through those things so i think what, what i i and I, I mean I made mistakes I think that's one thing you're not talking about too is I did make some mistakes in recovery and there's sure. some things this that, you is know, a bumpy
0: road. I mean we've been yeah. honest about that right. too I mean we've shared but, like hey we've had yeah. a rough month or, you but
1: know. I think I think you know when I when I heard the concept of the trust ladder and you have to climb the trust ladder okay. and and uh, uh the realization setting in that it's a long-term process especially when you've hurt somebody deeply mm-hmm. and you know that was that was um you know all of it is worth the climb you know everything that comes about because of it whether we had made it or not was worth the climb you know because it it all just makes you a more trustworthy individual
0: right and when you're talking about um you know going the extra mile to make somebody safe why would you ever regret that if you look back on your life but it but you know if you if you do the opposite and you go well that's too much work for me Mm -hmm. You know, and then there's like five situations where maybe like I find something out that you could have been proactive about and it wouldn't have been an issue. But then I got triggered and then, you know, okay, maybe we're not as in a good as a place as we are now. And maybe that leads to separation or has a negative consequence of some kind. Or maybe we go back a few steps and like we have to start rebuilding safety and we go back a few rungs on the trust ladder. And like, so, you know, what what is the goal? Right. And I talk to my clients about this all the time is the idea of like having a very clear vision of where it is that you want to go and like holding to that, because then you're going to be motivated to move towards that. But if you don't have that vision, then it's like, OK, well, what direction do I go? Right. Mm-hmm. And and there are a lot of different answers to that question, many of which don't take you in the direction of that vision if it's yeah. not clear. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, those are my those are the top five things that I mean, from my perspective um, in our relationship. And I think they would tend to be fairly universal talking to a lot of women and understanding, you know, where they're coming from and and their frustrations, maybe if some of these points are not being met. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I think uh, hopefully you can relate to this. But did you have anything else that you wanted to share?
1: You know, the only thing I, I would throw in there is time. It takes time. and so we are our culture is very much a fast forward culture we want fast food we want instant gratification and thank goodness that this process teaches us that really good things come when you take it takes time and so I
0: mean you know, if you think about quote unquote winning me back it took it a really long time it
1: did it really did and and so you know, you you have to understand that it's going to take time. And you may have these moments, much like we did, where you'll go a couple months and things will feel all OK. And then it'll shift and you won't know what happened. And you woke up that morning and nothing changed. And you're like, what the heck is going on? Why is she angry? That's because it takes time. And so you just have to commit to that process. And it's well worth it. It really is. Um, and and so I think, I think you don't know. You know the 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 you don't know the depths of the hurt that happens from or you can see it from from betrayal but you also don't know the depths uh, or the the height of of beauty that can come if you commit to the work and so people want to be safe people want to have people want to make if they stay and I, and I and I I tell the guys this all the time our wives want it to work mm-hmm. they want it to work or else they would have been gone already and so, if they want, oh,
0: that's so true. And the yeah. level of like the the sheer number, and I see this so frequently working with women. The number of times women are willing to forgive. That's right. That's right. And the level to which they are willing to forgive. Mm-hmm. They do not want to get divorced. No, they
1: don't. They, they want you to show time. up. They want you to show up, and they want you to be to be the man in the house that that they married or that person that they that they saw. And they're willing to let you work through that process, you know, with all your your warts and your faults and stuff like that. Honor that honor that commitment from them and just take that time. It's not easy. You don't just snap your fingers and go, OK, I'm done and I'm going to I'm going gonna, you know, to do it. You're going to make mistakes, but stay consistent on that path.
0: Well, and I think like to kind of summarize everything we've talked about and everything we talk about in all of the episodes, really, is it's a deep unrelenting commitment to personal growth yeah, and yeah. not staying stagnant in life, being willing to get feedback mm-hmm. from people like um, your peer support in support groups um, from people like a counselor or a coach or a therapist or somebody like that who can kind of hold up a mirror and go and, uh, on both sides, right? Like uh, on the betrayal side, there were many, many times where I had to hold up a mirror and go, okay, this is an area that I have to continue focusing on for my own personal growth, or I will say suck. I will say unhappy. I will say frustrated, right? Right. Uh, I won't be able to process this emotion. And so this is an area that I need to work on. And for the addict, like same thing constantly through recovery and getting into recovery and establishing Mm -hmm. that stability, getting your feet on the ground after you get out of the addiction, right? There's so much self-reflection that has to be done and, and it's not fun. It's not comfortable. to to look in the mirror and acknowledge when there is part of you or something that's going on inside of yourself, that's contributing to a negative dynamic in the relationship. Mm -hmm. But if you ultimately are on the same page of wanting to reconcile, then that's the work that has to be done. And so it's, it's a, it's a relentless commitment between the two people that we will individually continue to grow. And that, you know, Hopefully that means at some point the individual growth can come closer together to move towards reconciliation and trust and growth as a couple.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. And and you're worth it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, buddy. You're you're worth worth it it too. thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.